Miller, Molten 99.3 ESPN, 99.3 ESPN.com, and the 99.3 ESPN app. 337 ESPN is our number, 337-3776. And whether it be your thoughts on the game and the ending, and quite frankly, you know, just when you when you saw the last five seconds play itself out, you know, would did it did it remind you of how you felt when you were watching and then you could you know you could name it. It could be any any sporting event. I had to laugh. There's two texts we received today that I give the person credit for admitting these things, but I'm I'm very surprised to see them admitted. When a text starts out like this, I immediately regretted having turned the game off at halftime because I was tired. Well, it's not a coming. You've talked many times, you know, you got to get up early. Game didn't start till 9.20. It's halftime. You know, it's a long halftime. It was like nearly a half hour. I mean, the second half, it, it, I thought I was, it was a Super Bowl halftime. It was taken so long last night. So I could see where somebody just DVR'd it and went to bed. I read something very funny, Mark, on Twitter where one person sent basically a condolence text to a Carolina fan. It turns out that the Carolina fan got tired and DVR'd it and went to bed and was literally watching it when the text came in. Ouch. Yeah. And then someone else who apologized, and I feel awful. They've had some things going on with their, with they said with their daughter in the hospital, and we wish you all the best. But blamed himself. So I'd like to personally apologize for our loss last night to Chris. Says a Jets and Mets fan. I'm a true believer in superstitions and karma. And karma came back to bite hard last night. I don't have cable. Uh, his daughter is in the hospital. Another night in the hospital. I took that as an opportunity to watch a game, and we didn't get moved from a closet of a room we've been in for one night, so I didn't get to watch the game. Went to a cafe and pulled up the game on ESPN Radio after getting your tweets uh, from me. And then I went from joy to sadness between Paige and Jenkins shots. Epic fail. Sorry, Chris. Got uh, got for costing us the game. I mean, wow. he, he apologized to you because he couldn't watch it. His daughter's in the hospital. And, and sir, we wish you nothing but the best for you and your daughter uh, and your wife. But in all of the things going on in this life, you can tell it's a Mets and Jets fan. Yes, it's not your fault. It's not. Come on, say it. It's not your fault. Right. I, I feel, feel like I'm Robin, Robin Williams. Williams and Goodwill Hunting. It's not your fault. <laughs> it's not your fault. You would have guarded the inbounder. It's not your fault. Oh goodness. Oh, we've been doing this too long together, David. <laughs> Sir, it's not your fault. It's not. It's not your fault. Well, it wasn't my fault. I had the same. I had the same undershirt on under the jersey. And you had admitted yesterday you had not done any laundry. No, it was the same everything. Not. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yeah. But we yeah, got you. My jersey, the undershirt right. under the jersey, it was all the same. Right. And you, you lined it all up. Ready I did to go. Every, I did everything I could do. Villanova just did fifty-eight percent. There was a Villanova fan who stuck to their superstition just a little bit better. What was it? The guy that was going to win the Yahoo. Sports bracket. I mean, had the best bracket on the Yahoo. You know, whatever the prize was, had the best bracket. Had all four Final Four teams. Had a UNC Villanova final. Forgot to click a winner. Like when they filled out their bracket and submitted it, 
didn't submit a winner. Instead, I saw the tweet for the game. You know, so-and-so says he would have picked Villanova. It's before the game started. Literally would have won whatever their prize is and didn't put a winner in. He doesn't deserve to win. Agreed. But boy, would that suck. You gotta, you gotta it's pick, like throwing away a lottery ticket right there. You gotta pick 63 games. You don't get to pick 62. By the way, did you see that, um, tweet Ravel sent out last night? There were shirts at the Final Four that had the brackets on them. The first four games are all wrong. So they had like Fairleigh Dickinson beating FGCU and... No, 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 no. They had North Florida. I mean, the, the shirts were printed so early. Oh, oh, wow. Did they have last year's first four? Because North Florida was in last year's. I'm um, wondering if they just made that mistake. Trying to get to his tweet from last night, because he, he's pretty active on this sucker. But it had Boise State. Oh, I think that's last I year's I think it first is last four. year's. Okay, yeah, it is. Manhattan, Hampton, Old Miss. It is last year's. Manhattan, Hampton, Old Miss, BYU, North Florida, Bob Moe, Dayton, and Boise. Wow. How about that? Because the rest of the brackets, you know, the 64, right? It has North Carolina playing FGCU. Right. But the top of the shirt. Where that? I sent the tweet out right about the start of the game. I saw it. No one noticed the first four group of teams on the bracket shirt they are selling tonight is wrong. Damn. That's where you need somebody who's just a little bit of a sports fan. You know, maybe they were a Michigan fan or a, you know, a, a Vandy fan or somebody where they go, uh, wait a minute. This, this isn't right. No, no, no. No, my team was in it this year. That's last year. He also did send out a tweet photo from the worst seat in the house, essentially. I gotta tell you. I don't even know now, looking at that game in a dome last night, how much I would want to be at. And I'd like to do one. I mean, it's certainly a bucket list item. But you're at a football stadium. And the way the seats on the sidelines, I mean, they go back at a very low angle. Yes. So if you're in the 20th row, you're not very high up. Let's say you're in the 40th row. You're not very high up, and you're a long way away from the court. Well, not only that, the court's elevated. And so in your stands slope back and, you know, you have to go back quite a ways until you feel as if you are even slightly above the court. You know, you right, feel but you're like, so far back at that point. Right. It just. Well, I know in Dallas. My seat last night for the game was terrific. I sure it was. No it was lines at the bathroom. Far less expensive. Right. Had better replay angles. I almost sent you a text last night. I knew you were up, but I don't really, I don't text people late at night. I just don't do it. Cause I don't know. You're one that sometimes has your phone on vibrate, sometimes has your phone on. The last thing I want to do is wake up someone in the house because the only thing when I couldn't sleep, because I was kind of jazzed up from the game, Charlie Wilson's war started last night at like 1230 or one or whatever. Oh, wow. I wouldn't have gone to bed. I'm glad you didn't text me. <laughs> I literally, I mean, it was, it was typing and I went nap. Now, he'll be up all night. I got to bed at 1 o'clock, and I was very happy about that. Uh, I can't turn Charlie Wilson's war off. And even if there's no swearing and it's commercials. I think I got to the second commercial break. It's enough.
337-ESPN, 337-3776. Did we ever find out what fan allegiance the person who bought the two front row seats for 9000 a piece? I haven't seen anything on it. Because... They didn't give them their own segment last night in pregame and, or anything. And they should have. Yeah. Uh, no, honestly. I mean, first off, you've got plenty of time. I mean, our pregame show started at 6.30. I mean, at least Westwood One could have done an interview with the person. I mean, who are you? Where are you from? You know, who are you rooting for? So you weren't here Saturday is what you're saying. So so-and-so won, and then you bought these tickets online. Where would you fly in from? I mean, you could do an interesting five-minute human interest story there. 9000 a ticket for two front-row seats. Wow. Good for him or her, whoever had to pay for him. When you can just go to your hip for 20K to buy a couple of seats. Did you see the Barkley video? No. (laughs) Their set is behind the basket where the game-winning shot was made. Did I mention the the court's right behind the set? That's where the game is. Barkley's watching the game on a monitor. So you somebody's taking, you know, a shot of Barkley, and he's watching the game on a monitor. You see the ball go in the air behind him and go through the basket. And you see everybody react behind him. And Barkley's watching it on a TV monitor. <laughs> I'm watching it now. <laughs> and he's going crazy next to Kenny Smith who wants to cry. Who had just <laughs> who had just got done going crazy. I mean Kenny left the set and oh yeah you know, ran around and high five people and all that. I will say for the record, if you do not know, this wasn't Barkley just antagonizing Smith. Charles Barkley's daughter went to Villanova. So at least there's a little, and you know, all those Philly years guy, he played right. for the Sixers. I mean, you would think he would root for Villanova, especially since he played for the Sixers when they won it in '85. That may or may not get up on our Facebook page, and I say may or may not because yeah, I doubt it. I'm sending it to Chris, and whether or not he does anything with it, uh, I, he'll have to forward it to another Tar Heel. No, no, because uh, it, I had two choices, and they're both not yeah, happy about this. Just, so. I, well, well I would, she would have won the pool if Carolina won. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I gave up on the pool after the second day of the tournament. Yeah, once, uh, yep. Yeah. About five o'clock on yeah. Friday. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, left, pick up my daughter at daycare and <laughs> pretty much checked out mentally for about 48 hours. Well, so have I. And, and you know what? The, but let me ask you, because obviously it's the final and it was great. And, and I said I checked out mentally, but. The team played great against them. Is there any part of it throughout the day that you're accepting the fact? Would, what would have bothered you more? The drubbing that Oklahoma got or that game last night? And I don't think North Carolina ever got drubbed the way Oklahoma did, but if that was a blowout, it was over at halftime. And they're down 10 to 18 the whole game. As a fan, this, this is easier to take. The, they, Villanova played great. 
Thank you. And you were in it for you're you in had, it the whole game. You had two you had hours it. and twenty minutes of sheer they bliss. They said when Paige hit the shot, they said, "Oh, you're going to see this shot for years to come." Well, and you will. Okay, you'll see a shot right after it, but you will exactly. see that shot for a very long time. So, from a fan's perspective, now being my job, where I have to go on sports sites every morning and listen to it all day, the worst. I would rather it be a blowout and them just talk about how. Right, hit it and move because on. Because now you you now, can't you can't help but to have seen the shot twenty times. Yeah, and that's and I'm trying to avoid it. Right. To give you an idea, the the televisions have been switched over to ESPN News because they're doing nonstop Masters press conferences. Yeah, I'm guessing we're watching the par three tomorrow. You can Of course, we're watching the par three tomorrow. <laughs> 337 ESPN, 337-3776 to call or text in Tavern on the Bay text line. Some of the still photography, and I know, you know, it's a video world, I get it, but some of the still photography last night, particularly like we were just talking about, the court is elevated. All right, many of the camera people are at or even below court level. Like three years ago in Dallas, you know, where they had us set set up, you know, the people broadcasting obviously are sitting. Eye level for Nance and them last night was at the players' calves. I mean, they, because the court is elevated to such, you know, and they set your tables up and then you sit down. And, I mean, you're not even at their knee level. I mean, so everything, you're, you spend the whole night and you, you just, you're ever so slightly looking up. So that even the still photographers now, Mark, are a, even a little bit, you know, cause obviously they don't stand when they're along the baselines for these games because they don't want to block people's views. So they're already, you know, sitting or on their knees. And the shots are always a little elevated, but in these cases, they're even a little bit more elevated than normal. And I would think that would be very difficult from the broadcast standpoint. Because it's one, it's different, and we're used to things being the same, not to get too far behind the curtain, but you know, even you and I, when we did the ace on final, along the baseline, they had us on the baseline. Well, we normally do the game right next to the scorer's table. Just a perspective to watch it, it's it's what you've always done. So anytime it's different, it's harder. It, the one thing that I found most difficult, and I've always kept this in mind, that you know, going forward, if if an announcer is seemingly unsure, to me, the thing I found hardest that day in Dallas was whether or not their toes were behind the line. You're so close to being floor level, you're not quite high enough to be able to clearly see the arc. And so you're a couple of them, when they're really close to the line, you're unsure as to whether or not they've stepped on it or behind it. Well, I know the media went all over Rath. There was a foul early on um, Nova. It was Jenkins' second foul there early in the game. And he kind of they went to break. It was very awkward. And they, he kind of asked Nance, what was that? Is that out of bounds? And they didn't know. And people that are watching going, come on, we all know it was a foul. Well, if you're eye level with their knees and there's a couple people in front of you, and you don't have a producer in here quickly enough telling you it's a foul, that's, I can see where that would be problematic. But some of the, you know, like 
you know, Sports Illustrated, first off, the, the covers are, it's Supernova. And, you know, it, it's a, a shot, you know, a picture of the, of the shot. But could you imagine, I mean, the still photography, the award winning shots are going to be about Marcus Page. I have the stuff that came out last night. Oh, yeah. It was breathtaking. Really was. The still photography really of was. Marcus Page, you know, suspended in midair for that moment. By the way, I will say you have to give the administrators at Villanova credit. All the credit in the world. Good for them. Class is canceled today at Villanova because no one was going anyhow. At about 8 or 8.15, they made that decision this morning. They sent it out. It was like 15 minutes before, I think, the first classes were to begin. But they made the decision. They go, yeah, because the media that was there was getting the texts and the emails forwarded to them. You know, we talked earlier about the, the grace and class of the UNC players in the postgame presser and had a few people on the Tavern of the Bay text line, you know, say Cam Newton should take a look. And, yes, he should. Uh, I do think that this text is fantastic. Completely agree on the UNC players' classy comments. The university should be proud of them. They have more class than the athletic department, to be sure. Hashtag faked classes. Well, it was pointed out that the 05 team that won the national title had 66% of the players who majored in African-American studies. There were no such players on the 2016 team, and that was one of the courses that is at the center of this academic scandal that North Carolina is trying to weather here. Well, Sports Pickle, which is kind of like the Onion, sent a tweet out last night during the game, report UNC to award players with three credits in net cutting if they win national title. Well, and I did get a tweet after the game from uh, actually a friend of both of ours who said, on the bright side, UNC won't have to vacate this title in a few months. Yeah, that was not going to happen. I know, but funny's funny, Dave. You know, no, it is funny. Hey, Pat Forty was the one who said when it was the Syracuse-North Carolina semifinal, it was on probation against under investigation. But for two and a half hours, all was forgotten last night. Miller and Moulton. Jeff Conine will switch gears. Marlins season opener tonight against the Tigers. He's part of their broadcast team. Mr. Marlin will join us right now. We have a four-pack of tickets. Thirsty Thursday. It's, Look at that. Yes, it's back this Thursday. The Miracle against Bradenton. It's also the season opener for the Miracle. Thursday night. So then fr- Friday the fireworks, and they're not doing. They're I don't not know doing, about that. They're not doing Thirsty Thursday and fireworks on the same same night. I don't know about that. Wait a minute. But we've got a four pack for Thirsty Thursday, the Miracle season opener this Thursday against Bradenton. Ninth caller wins three three seven ESPN three three seven three seven seven six. Good luck. Miller and Moulton, 99.3 ESPN, 99.3 ESPN.com, 99.3 ESPN, the app. Dave Tillett, a couple hours from now, big night for FGCU. They usually play one game a year at Hammond Stadium. It's usually against either the Gators, the Canes, or the Knolls. This year it's the Canes, who are ranked second in the country and many a poll, third in a, in a couple of others. So FGCU against the Canes, coming up in three hours. We'll have the game for you here on 99.3 ESPN. We usually broadcast it 
every year. Dave Tillette, the only head coach FGC has ever had to join us roughly two hours from now. Now is also the time to go to 993ESPN.com and sign up. They say it's our sixth annual golf tournament. I'd have to count the shirts. I know. It's, it's, see, red, how we'd have to do it. Red, red, white, green, black, Black, purple, purple, maroon. Yeah. Cabernet, actually. Or is that, okay, I don't know. Yeah. I ordered the shirts. It's the only reason I just had a little fun with that. So, it could be seventh, but I'll go with sixth. But you know what? We were having two a year for a while. Right. They so, started. I, so that's why sixth annual could be right. We may, this could be like our seventh or eighth tournament, but from a yearly thing. We could just eliminate the number and call it the annual. There you go. That way we're never wrong. Miller and Moulton Golf Tournament. It's May 21st, old corkscrew. And since we're 99.3 ESPN, guess how much it costs? Crazy idea. Uh, I'm going to go on a limb. 99 bucks. There you go. Cause when we were 770, you know how much it cost? 77. There you go. But we're FM, FM now. Better shirts. 99 bucks. Get you a spot in the tournament. Lunch. And the always popular. Guess what color? 99.3 ESPN golf shirt. Ooh. Yeah. Well, a lot of these shirts though, a lot of the old colors are 770 shirts. I know so we are. can. I know it'd be nice to get a few 99.3 for the collection. I would like a, I, I mean, we could probably just go back to a basic red 99.3. Blue would be great. They've never done a blue shirt for us, except the well, one. We have, oh, we have no, the blue. metallic blue. The lion blue. Yeah. yeah. The, yes. Very, very much Detroit Lions yeah. blue. Yes. And then, let me tell that you. That shirt lost the scramble and drafted first and took a receiver. Yeah, somebody, you know, shaped like me. Should not be in metallic lines. Yeah, but you were blue. very scared of the purple. Well, you yeah, were the purple. I, I thought I was going to be, you know, grimace. You're right. The McDonald Land character. Yeah. You know, the big grape. Any preference on shirt color this year? I'm going to stay away from the bright colors. I know that's the big fad in golf right now, but yeah, but I think it's going to fade here yes. in the next few years. That obnoxious lime green is. There's nothing about it. Those greens and yellows, there's nothing about them that's good. Yeah, we'll take suggestions to have another Bay Tax line. I, mean, uh, it, it I was doesn't asking mean, you to... <laughs> no, I know that, but I'm just saying. I mean, I mean, I'm such a fashion plate that, you know, there might be a couple of others that would have better ideas. But I'd vote, I'd vote blue. We have a lot of red, a lot of dark. You know, I'd, 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 I'd go maybe something, I don't know, navy. Yeah, I'd go red. I would just go plain old red. ESPN, right. me, but I don't, I gotta be honest, I don't care. Whatever you get me, I'm gonna wear the damn thing. It doesn't make a bad difference to me. So go to 993ESPN.com, sign up. It's a good time to be had. We play golf, raise a little money for charity. You get a golf shirt. Alright, it's a good deal at a, at a good track. You know, it's not, nothing too fancy. I mean, what'd you expect? It's a Miller Moulton tournament. And you can try to come out and beat me and my foursome. Well, no offense. I mean, you guys are just, uh, you're, you're the foursome that, that they heckle at, at, at scrambles. Cause you guys are too good. Uh, we're you should, really you not. No, that, now that's a fabrication. No, we're you really guys are not. great. Come on. There's not a bad golfer in the group. No, well, it was a couple of years ago when, uh, when Ryan would bring, he had a roommate uh, who was well, he a He had a roommate golfer. that won the damn course or was in the hunt yeah. of the course. And we that's what was unfair. They was... had a guy that's pounding the ball. I mean, you know, because I'd set up at a par three, and I, you know, usually there's not a shot within 25 feet of the pin, and I show people the line of their closest to the pin, and you guys fire four darts, you know, where, you know, I, 
they're all within about 14 feet of the pin. It's like, my goodness, no offense, you guys are on your own. Man. Yeah, I'd poke it out there about 290. I was the third longest yeah, in the group. Exactly, right. Was, yeah, and you try, oh, we're not that good. Well, Remember. no, but we lost the best golfer, and I've gone downhill. Okay, well, then apparently first place is up for grabs. Good, then you know what? Maybe your team will take on my team. The Miller Molten Golf Club. I like that. I, I like that. What are we throwing down now? Look at this. I want to see gin numbers, though. I, I'm, I want to make sure I know what I'm playing against. You're not, because if that's the case, I, I might know a few people that I could get in the tournament that might be able to play pretty well. This is an amateur tournament. That's this. a key word, then. This. There can be no one that works in the golf. We have no golf pros. I'm good with that. Ladies and gentlemen, we went from a very friendly discussion about what color the shirts were going to be. Now, if you could see the two of them and their intensity glaring at one another That's on. through gritted teeth. It's on. Look at this. So May 21st. Now I'm looking forward to this. I'm not even going to be in it. Have you seen the video? Of the I, I almost forwarded to you yesterday. Chris, I don't know if you saw it. Of the little kids golf tournament, and someone's filming it. I mean, these two kids, they can't be more than 12 years old. Get into a fight. Oh no. On the golf tournament. Oh no. I'll, I'll send you the video because you can put it on our Facebook page. And the, there's a little heavy kid, and he's yelling at the kid about a ruling. And then he goes and hits his ball, and the taller, skinnier kid then pushes Uh-oh. the heavy kid. Uh oh! Who still has his golf bag, and it takes the heavy kid seven seconds to fall. He's got the golf bag and he keeps going back oh, and stumbling. No. Oh, a couple of punches are thrown. They swing clubs at the other kids, not at each other. They go swing their clubs at the other kids' golf bag. It's epic. And when I watch it, I know some local people that are in the golf industry, and it really reminds me of one of them. Now? No. Or when, when they were kids. When I, I didn't know this person as a kid, but gotcha. I imagine this person exactly like him. I mean, come on, this is golf. We're not supposed to behave this way. You're right. But every once in a while we could, I mean, couldn't we use more golf brawls? What do you mean more? I mean, one would be epic. <laughs> I mean, okay, one would be talked we use about a for... golf brawl. Well, didn't we have, uh, yeah, we had the caddy and, uh, was it a menace? Not a menace. Uh... No, the guy who went off on his caddy on the course. Was it Angel Cabrera and and Keegan Bradley? And Keegan Bradley. Yeah. Cabrera went up to Keegan's caddy. I said something to his caddy, and Keegan yeah, it was defended like a year his ago. caddy's honor, and it got a little. I mean, it got a little ugly. I mean, it was no blows were thrown, but it got a little ugly. I mean, this isn't pushing a kid down where he staggers for seven seconds like the Michelin Man and falls down though. No, like. Keegan pointed his finger. Right. Oh, the finger wag. Face and, there you go. I mean, that's that's a throwdown in, yeah, in golf. Got that right. <laughs> got that right. That's trash talking with the mechanic right there. So we'll get this up on the Facebook page because this is this is good solid stuff. Every now and then you get it in a Ryder Cup, Azinger and Ballesteros, and verbally jousted. A few times. So even in the uh, Solheim Cup last time that's around, right. they, they had one because of the cat fight, the ruling that the Americans were just appalled by. I guess uh, 
I think one of the golfers had, you know, lagged it up to within inches and, you know, understood it to have been good and what have you. Oh, and she just picked up? I, it was something it, of, you know, they thought it was, it was understood and then, uh, you know, but sure enough, the, the European golfer had said that was not the case and they brought the rules person in and it ended up costing them a hole and it actually affected and it was on the second, it was like the late afternoon Saturday. So then all that angst and animosity at the press conference, and then it carried over into singles on Sunday. Do you know what this shirt discussion has started? Oh. <laughs> Tavern on the Bait text line color ideas. Uh-oh. Creamsicle orange golf shirt. Here we go. Tampa Bay Bucks. We Doug are, Williams. We are your home of the Bucks. That's right. Will we go creamsicle bucks or the actual real color of the Miami Dolphins? We had creamsicle day on my high school golf team. We did once a year we dressed. We had the. Oh, you wore creamsicle. Yeah, we, we you wore didn't pants eat and pants and top that matched. We, we were solid creamsicle. And usually we wore it at when we would go to one of the most hoity toity country clubs to play our matches. Well, I found out the first assistant at, at the course I play at, very good golfer, played at Kentucky. He can play. And he said in high school, his high school golf coach decided that the team was going to wear the par fours, the knickers. And on match day, he was also a teacher there, said they had to wear them to school. I'm like, so that really helped you trying to score women when you were There's no doubt. on the golf team at 15 and you have to wear knickers to school. Yep. Well, the Boy, amateur, nothing says cool. Hey, the amateur this week playing at Augusta, uh, Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He wears the, I call it a kangaroo hat. Yeah. The Kango hat. The yeah. Kango hat. Yeah. But he wears it forward with the bill, uh, like, um, Saracen, right? Payne Moore. Right. Yes. Yeah. Payne Stewart, Saracen. Yeah. He can play. He yeah. can flat out. Wasn't yeah. he, wasn't he in contention at the British for a couple of days last year? He was and he won the U.S. amateur. He's a player. And, yeah. He's, he's playing with, um, well, Spieth. Right. And I did see, speaking of Augusta, notice this yesterday, it may have been out a while ago, much as you love the fact that golf is in the Olympics. Now, the odds are whoever wins the Olympic golf will be an elite pro, but you win the Olympic gold medal, Augusta's added an exemption for you. Which their love of amateur golf and international golf and how they determine the field I think fits perfectly with what Augusta's always been about. Because you're going to have some guys who are like not even in the world rankings who are going to be playing Olympic golf because they'll be representing their country and their country can get up to two representatives and, you know, it, you may not even be in the world rankings but be the second best golfer in your country. Another shirt color suggestion. Uh-oh. Don't say it. UNC blue? Too soon? Wow. <laughs> Hey, you knew it was coming. Actually, I hadn't even thought of that, actually. Yeah, actually, I didn't think in the 3 o'clock hour since we threw that idea out at 328 that it, that it would come back at us at 339. Oh, Miller and Moulton. Thanks for listening and for the shirt ideas on 99.3 ESPN. Welcome back, Miller and Moulton, 99.3 ESPN, 99.3 ESPN.com, and the 99.3 
ESPN app. It is a pleasure to welcome longtime major leaguer known as Mr. Marlin, won two World Series with the Marlins, Jeff Conine. You see him all over Marlins television broadcast, pregame, postgame. Marlins season opener tonight at home against the Tigers. Jeff, thanks for your time. How are you? I'm doing well. It's opening day. How could you not be well, right? Yes. Yes. Did you get, uh, were you nervous on opening day, even late in your career? Did it have a playoff feel to it today? I was nervous driving into the ballpark today. Today? Yeah, I'm here at the ballpark. I'm doing pregame show. And I mean, I've been retired eight years and uh, I still get butterflies about opening day. This is a, you know, it's a big day and. Uh, if you don't get butterflies as a player, I think there's something wrong with you. I'm curious, and I don't want to take anything away from opening day tonight with the Marlins and what they did on Sunday, but uh, my co-host and I here had a healthy argument last week. He was not very happy of the three games on Sunday, thinks opening day should be Monday. As someone who played the game, has been around the game as long as you have, Jeff, your thoughts on what opening day, turning into opening days, has become? Uh, yeah, I was talking, I had a conversation uh, yesterday about this with someone, and uh, it used to be Cincinnati Reds opened up every season, and that was the first game of the season, and uh, that was the tradition. And uh, since then, I think, you know, it's it's gotten away from that a little bit, which, um, you know, you got to move with the times, and uh, obviously tons of games on opening day now. Well, in the Marlins opener tonight against the Tigers, a new manager for the Marlins, new hitting coach, but also uh, some new players, and hopefully – hopefully for the Marlins, a healthy season. Because, Jeff, when you look at this team, knock on wood, if their key guys can stay healthy, this looks like a salty team for the Mets and the Nats in that division, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. And, uh, you know, that's that's the nature of a baseball season. you got uh, 162 games in a, in a year. Uh, health is going to play a huge role. Um, and your success. And uh, unfortunately, the last couple of years, we have not been very healthy, and uh, thus we have not done very well in the standings. But like you said, we keep everybody on the field this year. Uh, I think we've got a good chance to, to make some noise. How important is it for this team? And I know it's always great for any team to get off to a great start, but it's a younger team. It's a pitching staff that uh, I would think needs a little confidence. How important is a good start to this Marlin team? Uh, I think it's very important. Um, you know, uh, we had a good uh, spring training, and we ended up well. Uh, as far as that's concerned, everybody's healthy right now. And uh, to get off on a good note and uh, hit the ground running, so to speak, uh, will be big for this team and big for their confidence. How much did you find over the years you felt you could get a read from in March? You know, I mean, because I'm guessing, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that early in your career, you know, you you're feeling good all the time. We're going to be good. We're going to be good. But maybe later on in your career when you know what it takes to win and the ingredients and all that, did you feel like you could get a genuine read about a ball club, good, bad, or indifferent, in March? Um, not by uh, spring training performance or record. Uh, obviously, if you know the players that are on those teams, uh, veterans and, and uh, quality uh, talent, uh, I think you can uh, assume what they're going to be like during the season. You can't really put too much credence in a spring training record or performance uh, for me. Um, you know, you look at a lot of times the teams that have the best records in spring training will be second or, or, or last place, uh, second to last or last place in their divisions come the season. So uh, I don't put a whole lot of credence into a win-loss record in spring training. 
is there a what would be the key factor to this team? Is is there? And I know there's a lot of elements that come to a winning season, but are there, are there a couple of key things that have to happen for this team to have success this year? Well, I think uh, you know we would uh, probably say we're not as deep as we would like to be at this point, and uh, the, the players that have uh, come up uh, that are the fringe players that have made the club uh, coming out of spring training. Those are the guys that uh, you're going to rely on to come up with big seasons. Uh, I think you can rely on. Giancarlo Stanton and, and Jose Fernandez and, uh, you know, the uh, up the middle guys, D. Gordon and, and uh, Christian Yelich are all going to be solid guys regardless. You need those uh, players that support them to have good seasons. And uh, I think that's uh, going to be a big part of our success. Talking with Jeff Conine, broadcast Marlins games pre and post Marlins tonight, season opener at home against the Tigers. The Mattingly, Bonds, and the rest of the coaching staff effect. What do you think that it will be? You know, uh, Don Mattingly was a player that uh, I, I really wasn't a big fan of baseball growing up, but uh, I, I like the Yankees because my Little League team was named the Yankees, and there was always one player that I kind of gravitated towards, and that was Don Mattingly. Just, I, I loved the way he played the game. I loved the way he hit. Uh, and lo and behold, now I get to work with him every day. So um, getting to know him this spring and seeing the kind of uh, calm, authoritative presence he has over this club is just a, um, you know, it, I think it's going to be a really positive influence for these guys. Uh, I think they've really uh, taken to his um, uh, clubhouse style. I think they all respect him, obviously. Uh, in the coaching staff, you got Tim Wallach, uh, who's got uh, a ton of experience in the big leagues. Barry Bonds, uh, enough said about that. Uh, Frank Minichino has done a, a fabulous job with these hitters. Uh, it's just a very well-rounded and, and good coaching staff, and I think uh, that's going to go a long ways in that clubhouse with this team. Who has Barry Bonds helped the most so far for the Marlins? I think if you look at uh, you know turnaround factor, Marcelo Zuna has probably uh, had the best spring as far as I can see, as far as mechanics and, and mental attitude. And I know Barry's been spending a lot of time with him. And you know what? He's a very important guy for us uh, out in the field and in the batting order to have a good season. So uh, that's one of our most, most important pieces. Well, that outfield two years ago uh, was being talked about as, uh, you know, the best in baseball and obviously injuries and a couple of guys didn't have maybe the years that they wanted. Meanwhile, uh, D. Gordon, my goodness, what a year he had last year. Do you think that that's a career year or that's the beginning of a perennial all-star player? For me, in the, in the attitude that D uh, takes to the field every single day, I think it's uh, the start of a perennial all-star. This guy loves to play the game of baseball. He's not out there for uh, the show or the money. He He's there because he loves to play it and, and wants to be a great teammate and do as, as good as he can every single night. So uh, when you get that kind of attitude at this level, uh, I think it's the start of uh, many, many years to come that are going to be – I mean, obviously last year was a huge year, and it, I think anything – Short of that, people would call it a failure, but uh, I don't see it that way. I think he's going to be a solid contributor to this team for a long time. Jose Fernandez has, has not had the luckiest health so far. With that being said, is there anything they should do differently, or do you just try to treat every year, every player, as you can't do the kid gloves thing, injuries happen, and you just have to start fresh every year, or is there a different approach with the player who's battled some injuries? Well, I mean, you go uh, off of Jose's uh, track record, and he's got he's battling back from Tommy John surgery. This is going to be his first full season since that surgery, and you know the, the 
current uh, outlook this time and in, in, in the game is you got to approach that pretty cautiously. So he's definitely going to be on a pitch limit. He's going to be on an innings limit, and uh, I think that's best for Jose and it's best for this club right now because you don't want to run into a situation where you know you're uh, having a phenomenal year, you get to the playoffs, and he's not available. So they're going to uh, kind of space him out as much as they can uh, to last as long as he can through the season, and hopefully. You know, the, the Marlins make the playoffs. He's going to be one of the starters in the playoffs. Boy, it'd, it'd be a nice problem for the Marlins to have, to have a Fernandez injury and pitch limit debate, much like the Mets had to have last year with Harvey. It's been a while. Jeff, appreciate you making time for us. Enjoy the opener. Look forward to talking to you again. All right, thanks. Jeff Conine, host of Marlins Live pre and post. How about that? Jitters driving to the ballpark today. Just broadcasting opening day. That's what I wanted to hear. There you go. Gave me goosebumps. You're excited, aren't you? Damn right. It's opening day. No, that was Sunday. Well, it was oh. yesterday. I, I don't know why they didn't play yesterday. I really don't. I mean, they got a you know beautiful weather in South Florida, plus they got a roof over the damn thing. I mean, if anybody should have been playing Sunday, it should have been them. This should be their third game of the year already. Goodness sakes. I hope Stanton hits 143 home runs. You know my man. How about how about 40? Well, how about 40? How about 500? No, no, no. How about 40? How about 550 at bats? Yeah, Cause done. Because if he gets those, he's hitting at least 40. Tell you what, he hits 50 this year. Not a chance. All right, Miller Moulton under 99.3 ESPN.